a lot of men think that them getting a blowjob is them in a power position, but um, there's a set of teeth around your dick, and <laughs> if they wanted to bite down, they could. Welcome to Sweet Release. Hi, Barbie. <laughs> I've been wanting to say that all day. <laughs> I actually like... <laughs> thought of it when I got here. It's like too perfect. Ken Fields, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So you are an adult content creator, or model, porn star. actor. It's okay porn to say star. porn star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I was going to like, I, tr- I should try not to say porn well, too it's also much like, today because I'm just going to have to edit it out for yeah, reals. Yeah, fair. Um, but... So content creator, adult performer, content creator. Um, Sexual athlete. Yes. However, I mean, there's so many different ways you could say it. Totally. Um, but yeah, you've got a point. It's also not just about like mainstream anymore. Obviously, like being a performer and creator, there's so many different platforms now um, where you can do it in different ways that you can do it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I would love for you to start with sharing your, your journey. Like, how did you start becoming, yeah, an adult content <laughs> creator? <laughs> <Sure>. All of it. <laughs> Porn star. Um. Well, I've only been doing it uh, on pro shoots since February, so less than a year, maybe 10 months at this point. Um, Before that, uh, I was doing uh, OnlyFans. It started out, uh, I I basically started as a sex educator. So uh, my former partner and I started a sex positivity platform called All The Feels. And it was basically similar to this first step, normalizing the conversation and making people comfortable talking about sex uh, because it's something that I really enjoyed. And I, I never had the shame or embarrassment around this subject uh, that other people did. And uh, it just I knew how important it was to me and everyone else as far as who your romantic partners are and, and the quality of your relationship and how you express yourself romantically and all that. And so. Um, first, I I just wanted to be able to talk about it and help people who might be, you know, having issues in the bedroom or, um, you know, wanting to explore more, uh, within themselves or with their partner or whatever. And, uh, so founded all the feels three years ago. And one of the things that set us aside, um, outside of just talking about the subject, um, we decided to create something we called educational porn. Uh, so basically instructional videos where, uh, everyone else who's telling you, oh, this is how you find the G-spot. They'll show you like a biology diagram, uh, but that doesn't really show you how to do that with a person in front of you because they're not cut in half. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if they were, <laughs> there'd be blood everywhere. So <laughs> that wouldn't help either. Um, so uh, we decided to use ourselves as models and actually both show and tell people how you do these things. Um, you know, this is how you achieve G-spot stimulation to create a penetration orgasm. This is how you make someone squirt. Um, this is how you approach anal if it's not porn and you don't get to see all the lube and all the prep and the, you know, the stages of butt plugs that you work up to be able to, you know, stretch to take a full human penis. <laughs> Just all of those things. And so um, at a certain point, uh, once we were already doing it for educational purposes, we were like, okay, we might as well make money on the side and it was already on OnlyFans because that's one of the places that you can host that type of content. Um, so we're like, okay, we might as well do, you know, an entertainment one as well. Um, and that did pretty well. Uh, and we were already doing this in our personal lives. Um, 
I've known I was non-monogamous for about 12 years, um, but with my ex, we had been practicing it for five years. Um, and so it was like, look, we're already doing this in our personal life. We're already doing this in our professional life. Why don't we just turn pro? And that way, like, it'll put a much bigger spotlight onto both sides of this. Um, and also be, you know, proof in the pudding that I actually know what I'm talking about. And it's just not just like, well, this works for my partner because everybody's body is different and they like different things. Um, and this demonstrates that, you know, you can adapt that to anyone's physiology or their, you know, mental stimulation, what it is that they like. So, um, yeah, so I, I started applying to different porn agencies and, uh, got a few different offers and uh, I'm now with my favorite company that was my number one choice and they've been very good to me and uh, it's just sort of rolled from there um, and yeah it's one of those things where I I wish I had gotten into it a lot sooner um, but I, I wasn't sure that I could so it's been uh, a pretty great journey going from wondering if I could to cementing myself and creating demand for my services, yeah. which are servicing people. <laughs> well, that's such a beautiful way to start out in, in the industry, I think is wanting to like educate first. So, mm -hmm. and that's one of my main goals too, is like, of course, inspiring and normalizing and, you know, trying to get destigmatizing as well, but oh, yeah. educating. And so that's really cool that that's how you started. And then now you're, yeah, you got to figure out how to make money for it. With it too. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, I guess. Is, so was that like starting to like going with an agency? What is that like? Like you have to work with just one agency? And yeah, you have an they... agent the same way that you would in Hollywood. Um, okay. And they're the ones that uh, I guess um, show their talent pool to the production companies. So um, I did a panel with, um, what was it? Uh, Cal State. Long Beach uh, a week ago. And one of the questions that came up was, how do you choose your scene partners? And I was like, well, we don't. Uh, you have the right to refuse if it's someone that you don't want to work with. Either you've heard bad things about them or you just aren't feeling it or whatever it is. But um, it, it's all very professional. <laughs> I mean, this is, you know, a multi-billion dollar business. And um you know, each of these production companies are multi-million dollar production companies. So um, it works the same way that Hollywood does where there's a, a booking agent in lieu of a casting agent uh, and they see, you know, okay, we're casting this type of scenario. And so we need this type of male talent and this type of female talent or whatever the scenario is. Uh, and so uh, they reach out to the agents and say, hey, who's available on this day um, that we're going to be making this uh scene of right. yeah exactly like exploring this uh script what was or new? fetish or taboo oh, whatever right. yeah. yeah exactly um so i'm a dilf which has been interesting uh, okay uh especially because um i have a lot of friends with kids and i'm not one of them <laughs> but, <laughs> but because you have maybe a little bit of that yeah couple years on <laughs> yeah so it's it's, it's an interesting time in the industry right now where it's like really segmented as far as what type are you? Um, and I almost think that we're on the tail end of that now where we're getting back to some underutilized, I guess, um, scenarios that, uh, you know, role plays and things like that, that 
you know, have been explored my, my neighbor's wife or, you know, my, my wife's friend or whatever, whatever it is. But for the most part, I'm a DILF. You're a DILF. Yeah. Yeah. And there, you know, I've had a lot of followers and, and um, people and in, in my um, subscribers and things like that that have asked me a lot about being attracted to like the incest porn or just like the the mommy son and all of that sort of mm-hmm. things. Is that something that you ever have to act out or is it mostly just you're the, the DILF? Um, um, no, no. I'll, yeah. That, like that's constantly. what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, um, that's been an interesting direction. And I, I mean, I could get really granular with why it is that way. Um, one of the reasons is that, uh, it's, it's a very simple taboo that they can just say like what the relationship is between the people. And then like the script writes itself and the, it, it's a very easy dialogue, which just essentially comes down to taboo. Mm-hmm. Um, that said also to the top five searches every year that, um, Pornhub ex- has existed and they have an incredible amount of data of what it is that people are looking for because it is a top four website in the world. Uh, so they know exactly what people are searching for and both MILF and teen have always been amongst the top. They've never fallen outside of like the top five searches. So, um, age play is definitely something that people are into in general. Um, and the, the industry has leaned more into that. And as far as like the, um, the like incest porn, I guess you would call it the, the stepdad and stepmom and whatever else as opposed to just, you know, my friend's hot mom or whatever. Um, yeah, again, it's just, it's a, an extra layer of taboo that like, I guess writes itself. Um, but so like, is that something I have to act out all the time, yeah. all the time? Um, and I don't, I don't mind it at all. I also have realized that, um, porn is actually the safest form of age play because if we were to do this in real life and I was with somebody who was 19 years old and, you know, um, even if they're mature for their age and street smart, as opposed to someone who's more naive, there's only a certain point that you can get beyond your years without having actual experience. And so, um, you know, there would be a massive uh, I guess power dynamics issue where I would be, you know, an experienced older man who knows what I'm doing. And, and there would be much more, um, I guess, chance and likelihood that there would be some sort of emotional manipulation there. If it was just somebody in their forties and somebody who's still a teenager or a young twenties or whatever in porn, I'm not in charge. The director is. Mm-hmm. So that, um, I guess, potentially dangerous power dynamic doesn't exist anymore. And so if it is, you know, a female performer who's into older dudes, it's a great way for them to work that fetish out without there being a worry about manipulative behavior. Um, So yeah, it's, it's been interesting seeing how that works on the inside and why, why that category is being pushed so much. And there is several, several reasons, not the least of which is the actual economics of uh, people paying for porn versus just the money that gets run from ad revenue on tube sites like Pornhub. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Yeah, it's it's so unique. I, I mean, do you guys get to like share your like other actors get to share like what fetishes and kinks that you're interested in? Oh, yeah. And that's like part of maybe casting as well. 
Um, yeah. So you tell your agent all the things that you're into and not, um, and you can get more granular with them. Like we have, I have a relationship with like, there, it's not just one agent, like there's agencies. So there's like four different people that I deal with. Um, and they all have their different relationships with the different production companies. So for some of them, I'm hearing for them about this company. Some of them are hearing about that company. Um, but uh, I, I can express to them like, hey, I'm looking to do more of this type of shoot or um, I want to get into uh, these type of kinks more or those type of role plays more. Um, and they can try to, you know, put me to the front of the line when those things come up. If I'm more willing and it's someone who's just like, sure, I'll do it, you know, because the real thing is they want a good performance. So if it's something that you're into, um, then obviously like you're going to be better than someone else versus just if they're typecasting for your look, your body type, your age, whatever. Um, but that said, um, you also have a consent check uh, before the shoot with your co-star. Uh, and different companies do it different ways. Um, but um, some of the bigger companies do a very thorough consent check, which also includes a yes list. Uh, nice. So not just like, what are your boundaries and what are your no's and what you know body sensitivity or whatever things should we avoid or what you not like being called. But some of them are, so what is your yes list? What do you like to do? Um, and I usually include it no matter what, because again, like if your co-star is having a good time, mm-hmm. that's going to be conveyed mm-hmm. on film. And the more real um, the, that they're actually enjoying themselves, the more real orgasms, the better. So much, so much of it is actually more real than people realize. Um, not that people don't fake it occasionally, but it's more just like, okay, it feels good, but they're distracted by cameramen and sound guys. And there's a lot going on. So yeah. some performers have more trouble coming on camera and they might fake the actual orgasm, but, um, you know, no one's like grinning and bearing the, the, the scene itself. Right. Um, and performers tend to like try to, take care of each other and make sure everyone's having a good time. But so, um, you know, for me, I, I, I go very granular with it as far as, you know, do you deep throat? Um, you know, what is your clit sensitivity? Like, do you like more of a light flicking motion or more of like a rubbing pressure motion? Um, you know, do you tend to come on camera? Uh, what positions do it for you, et cetera. And, and that way, you know, you're having more of a, a real experience. And, um, you know, that's not just a matter of like, okay, you two had fun and she's clearly enjoying herself and the audience loves that. Um, again, going back to like the Pornhub searches, um, the top search of 2022 was amateur couples. Uh, for the first time ever, two two years prior to that, it, it was amateur and all of that is extremely recent. And so, um, what you can basically figure out from that data is that people want real sex. Yeah. Uh, the, the 90s, 80s style of porn where it's like, you know, you're doing this crazy position, which looks cool, but like, you know, especially female audience knows like, all right, like she's not going to come from that. Like that's <laughs> clearly faked. Like that's starting to fall by the wayside. Um, not that we don't do still some like athletic positions that other people wouldn't be able to do necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're doing it in a way that that is real and does feel good for your co-star. Yeah, yeah I like that. I, I talk a lot about talking about boundaries, of course. Like, I'm sure you talk about that, too, in your educational um, or just like the brand you started. But it's mm-hmm. so huge to talk about those and have those conversations before 
you're exploring BDSM and things like that. And so that's really cool that you guys like sit down and you're always asking your co-stars like what they're into. And, and I think, you know, the stage fright thing I, I can relate to because I remember going to my first sex party or actually it was a dungeon sex club. And I just like could not come because I was, there were so many people standing around me. Mm-hmm. It was just like, there was just too much happening. So I yeah, can it's relate. It's like performance anxiety. Yeah. To that. And just like, you're not really able to fully relax. And yeah. And so, um, do you what, come at sex parties now? Yeah. Okay. So you're relaxed now. <laughs> you're relaxed used to it. Now. Yeah. And I think it actually only took me like after that first time. I yeah. think, it was just like getting that one out of the way. And, yeah. then, and also I think it was the vibe that specific one. There was just a lot of lookers and a lot of people that um, I didn't find their energy to be very attractive or, mm-hmm. you know, it just you weren't relaxed. Enough. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the biggest things for women to, to be able to come. They've actually shown studies that like women are more likely to orgasm if they're wearing socks because they're warm. And like the, the less, the less distractions that women have, the more likely they are to orgasm. So with a room full of people, like looking at you or, you know, cameraman, sound guy, or like, oh, am I right position to make sure the camera can see the actual penetration? Mm-hmm. Like it's just going to make it more difficult. So then it's a matter of like getting past all those things to be able to actually like concentrate on what's yeah. happening. But I'm sure in that environment, and especially as a first timer, like you had no chance. Right. Right. And that's cool that you guys support each other in that space. So, so is there like, I, I remember hearing like, there's like a fluffer and there's like, Oh, no, that, that doesn't exist. It. Okay. Yeah. Fluffers don't exist. Okay. It's not a real thing. So that's also what makes the male job so hard. So like, um, this is one of the few industries where women get paid better than men. And mm-hmm. that's a good thing because they're the ones that create the demand. However, everyone admits that male performers jobs are harder. Um, and that was something that was, uh, I guess, a wake up call to me in starting this business. Like you don't you don't really understand how much more demanding it is than just partnered sex or even group sex. Um, you are expected to uh, get yourself hard, stay hard, um, get it back because there are going to be breaks in between positions or resetting lighting and cameras, cameras or yeah. the girl needs a, a break for a second or whatever it is, so, you know, someone needs water. So you, you have to be able to get it up, keep it up or, and, or get it back and then come on command. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, they'll give you a few minutes to like get there, but pretty much like that's what it takes. It's not, it's not as organic an experience as uh, they make it look after editing those breaks out and, right. and as it would be like if you're just in the bedroom with somebody. How um, do you do that? Like what's the secret? Or is there something you think about? Like how, how do you come on command specifically? Yeah, that, so out. that was a new one because – so one thing is I had the advantage of getting into this from – practicing non-monogamy and being used to group sex and you you do have to especially in you know play parties orgies sex parties whatever you want to call them there are breaks in between partners and whatever else so um i i'm used to being able to like get it up and get it back um between rounds sessions whatever you want to call it um 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I have that advantage over someone who's like younger or, or less experienced coming into the industry. Um, the coming on command thing, however, <laughs> that was new. And so my first couple shoots, it was like, um, so I, I'm a little bit different where I've realized that not only my co-stars, but also um, a lot of our friends in the non-monogamy community, um, they're, they're holding themselves back. So it's like after a few minutes, they could come, but they're only going, let's say, 75% so that they don't to elongate it, right? Mm -hmm. I basically, I didn't know I was doing this, but in me training myself to last longer, um, I have to work up to it. I'm not holding back. I have to, I have to ramp up have to, to be able to. Yeah. Um, so I, I remember like the first or second play party I went to in LA, uh, it was like towards the end of the night and I was like, okay, yeah, like it's getting late. Like I should probably come and then we should take off. And my friends were like, you haven't come yet. And I'm like, you guys have been coming. <laughs> like what? And they're like, yeah, I've come like twice already. What are you doing? Oh so, um, so same thing, like fast forward to porn and, um, you know, we're like, uh, in the middle of a scene and eventually they're like, cool. So this is the last position. Um, and then afterwards they're like, all right, like, let's get ready for the pop shot. Like, can you get yourself there? Like, are you there or do you need a few minutes to get yourself there? And I was like, oh fuck. Like, yeah, hang on. Let me like, <laughs> let me get there. And so I basically, and then and like, I'm already fucking in a room full of people. Like, right. and, uh, so I basically am standing there like furiously masturbating. Rubbing it out. Like, yeah, you got to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, let's get it. And so it took me like two, three minutes. And I'm like, okay, like I'm close. Like, let's go. And so they just had the, it was um, a guy, guy, girl threesome. So they had the other male performer go first. And it was like, she took his shot and then she turns and she takes mine. It's like Q1, it, Q2. Yeah. And it's like, they'll, they'll be like, Oh, if you can time it together. And like, that's so hard to do, but like, you can do it sometimes. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, we did manage to do it like literally one right after the other. And that it was a good shot. It was a beautiful girl. So it made for like very nice, lovely scene. Nice. And, uh, but yeah, that, that was, uh, you know, I, I guess, a. a I needed a quick education on that one right. as far as like, okay, that's what's required and you just have to like do it on the spot. Um, do but yeah. You, do you ever like smoke weed before I shoot to relax or have to take like anything to keep your dick hard or do you do anything to like get you in the mood? Or yeah. Um, I mean, basically, uh, my, do I say this? Everybody in the industry has some form of assistance. Let me okay. just say that. Yeah. Um, because the shoots can be so long and because, like, again, you need to be able to get it back and whatever. Um, it's pretty much industry standard that, that every male performer has some form of assistance. And that's all I'll say for now. <laughs> okay. Um, as far as relaxing, I used to take, um, this might be a plug, but I used to, take um i'll call them relaxation gummies um not thc or even cbd i think they're magnesium gummies mm. um and it really does just calm you down um which you know again like i i didn't have nerves about fucking in front of people or uh on camera or 
you know, with other dudes around or whatever it was, but the fact that, you know, you have like one shot to do this and Mike, you have to get it right. The and pressure. So, yeah. The pressure and performance anxiety aspect. Um, so that did calm my nerves a bit. And then um, there was just some point where a few months ago, I would, I, by, by like late summer, I was working frequently enough um, once my career had ramped up that um, it just became very normal to me. And I remember just one shoot, it was like at the end of the shoot and I realized that I hadn't taken them. I was like, cool. So I don't need them. Like yeah. the, the nerves aren't there at all anymore. Mm-hmm. This is just totally normal. And I know I can do this and like that I do it well. And so like, um, yeah, so I don't really take anything. Uh, lots of water. Yeah. Um, I eat a banana for breakfast, banana and peanut butter. <laughs> it's my breakfast every day, <laughs> which really like, nice stops you from cramping because that's been an issue a couple of times i was going to ask if you had any rituals that you do before a shoot or anything um sometimes i'll stretch again to like avoid cramping i've had a couple of times where i literally had to jump off my coworker because i was about to pull a hamstring um uh which like that can be a problem especially because um you know the the one main difference is you're contorting into slightly unnatural positions to get the shot yeah to open up for the camera Mm -hmm. so like there's a lot of like weird lunging yeah exactly yeah i mean it doesn't hurt but it's more like after doing that very vigorously for a prolonged amount of time um yeah you can cramp up and so yeah so sometimes i'll stretch ahead of time either like my hip flexors definitely my hamstrings my Mm -hmm. quads um my calves um it's pretty much all in the legs which is i'm not surprising because uh, orgasm is a muscular response and uh, quick tip out there from a sex educator um, if you want to last longer untense your legs you don't realize you're doing it but oh, that's great advice yeah well, yeah I also wanted to ask you some advice because I talked recently about um, in like an ask me anything episode someone was asking about pulling out and I kind of went on a little um, tangent about how I hate the pulling out method or just like pulling out when I'm about to reach my climax or like when you come to just like stop abruptly. And I this had some followers say, because my point was, is it takes women a lot longer to come. Mm-hmm. And so t- sometimes when we're both about to like get there, if you come and then just pull out right away or just like stop abruptly, then that makes my orgasm. It ruins, it your ruins orgasm. mine. Yeah, and yeah. even if you came and like, you know, birth control or a condom or whatever you're using, I still want you to like be, be still moving at least in some yeah. capacity. Yeah. Just keep it going <laughs> keep through it going, the end of the, right. To yeah. then like let it kind of fall organically and more naturally instead of like an abrupt halt. Yeah. Um, but I had a, a listener ask me like, how, how do you do that? If your dick goes soft or like, and I don't know, I, I never really followed back up with like saying like, you don't have to be hard to continue like, but do you have any advice for that or how, oh, how so to much. keep things so this is hard? T- this is two different things. Like <laughs> yeah. the how to keep yourself hard versus like how to last longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are two different things entirely. Um, how to keep yourself hard. I mean, the, the biggest thing is like uh, cardiovascular health. Um, there, there's no like shortcut that in order to have better sex, you need to get in better shape. Um, and obviously like, you know, some folks uh, either have medical issues, they're disabled, whatever, but you can be in better shape than you are and have better stamina than you have uh, because uh, erections are just blood flow. So 
um, the lower your resting heart rate uh, and the better your circulatory system is. Stop smoking, stop vaping, um, stop drinking, um, watch your caffeine intake. All those things will help. Obviously, diet, definitely exercise. Um, you know, a low fat diet, lots of vegetables. Like there's no, like basically treat yourself like an athlete. And, and I don't expect everyone to get like super fucking ripped and whatever else, but being in better shape will give you stronger, uh, erections. And there's actually an inverse correlation between belly fat and erection size. So some people like, can you actually get, uh, can you grow your dick bigger? Can you get bigger erections? You actually can, depending on what shape you're in. So um, burning belly fat will not only lessen the fat pad above your penis and will expose more of your penis, but also, again, having better um, circulation, cardiovascular health, et cetera, will pump more blood to your penis. So you'll have bigger, stronger erections. So you can actually gain an inch or two on your penis from uh, burning belly fat. Um, and then uh, as far as how do you last longer, um, there are a few different methods. Like one, again, like your own physical health, get in better shape. Um, two, uh, do Kegel exercises on the daily. And for people that don't know what that is, um, you know, when you like squeeze to stop yourself from peeing, it's that. So just do that over and over and over again. Try um, squeezing multiple times within 10 seconds and then relax, do it again. Uh, try holding it for five seconds and then relax and then hold it for 10 seconds and build up from there. Um, so having stronger Kegel muscles will, uh, allow you to hold back the orgasm the same way that you'd be holding back your pee. Um, in the moment, uh, breathe, uh, same thing with tensing your legs. A lot of people don't realize that they're straining, like they were weightlifting and, um, that actually helps. Uh, bring it on sooner. So uh, if you start to feel that you're building up and you want to last longer for your partner, take long, slow breaths, like deep breaths and, and relax. And that'll help. Um, same thing with untensing your legs and your butt. Um, because that again, orgasm is a muscular response. That'll bring it on faster. Um, and then uh, if you need it in the moment, like pull out for a second and squeeze. If you're like, holding it back like immediately um the the squeeze method or a, a pinch towards the the head will help uh and then you can uh get back to it um and then also just uh get out of your head because uh, like we were talking about before performance anxiety is a lot of it and a lot of people get in their head about um oh no i'm gonna come and it's more just like if you stop putting the pressure on yourself and you just relax that will allow you to get an erection faster to keep it. It'll allow you to delay your orgasm. Um, relaxing is really important. Yeah. Relaxing and breathing. That's kind of what I always say, but all of, all of that was great. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, I great. only give thorough answers. No, like you can't ask it. me anything. It's, it's like a tirade perfect. every time. Yeah. Perfect. I also wanted to ask you like, you know, as a male, like how, how do you, how do you like have intimacy and sex with integrity and how do you mm. continue like perpetuating this, um, you know, there's such this toxic masculinity and all of these, you know, I would love to know your take on that and, and how you've 
even in the industry or as a sex educator, you know, how you, how you do that. Yeah. Well, I love the way that you phrase that because one of the things that I like to preach is, um, that a lot of people have lost the inherent intimacy of sex and that doesn't have to be like long-term partnered sex. Like there's an incredible amount of intimacy, even in a one night stand. And, you know, you're, you're trusting someone to see you naked and not judge you. You're trusting someone to give you pleasure and not pain. And one of the examples I give is a lot of men think that them getting a blow job is them in a power position. But, um, there's a set of teeth around your dick and if they wanted to bite down they could but on the on the flip side they're also in charge of your pleasure so you are actually in the vulnerable position and not a lot of men like to think about that because they equate vulnerability with weakness as opposed to vulnerability is strength at like wearing your heart on your sleeve you know what i mean where um you know i'm cool being open if you judge me about this that's that reflects on you, not on me. And that takes a lot of um, time and work and self-confidence to build up to that point. But, um, you know, one of the other things is unlearning a lot of the double standards that we have around sex and shame and specifically slut shaming, um, which also has to do with fragile male ego that uh, men are comparing themselves to other men and you know, they're worried that the next penis is going to be bigger than theirs, that this guy is going to be able to do things to them that they can't. And so they act almost out of fear as opposed to out of hope. And um, instead of just, you know, um, I guess, satisfying their partner, they're more worried. Um, but um, there's obviously, you know, I, I'm not telling you anything new here, a double standard around, um, you know, women sleeping with multiple partners and men sleeping with multiple partners. And, um, men are celebrated for that and women are shamed. And, um, you know, there's no reason for that other than pure misogyny. And mm -hmm. so, um, and also hypocrisy because not just the whole, how do you view another man or another one? Like, did you want to have sex with this person? Yes. Are you judging yourself about it? No. So why are you judging her? And the only answer is, they're worried that if you're sleeping with them, then you're just going to go off and sleep with other people. It's fear, like you said. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, so how do I, as a performer, maintain the integrity and intimacy of sex? I mean, one, when it's on set, um, it's much more of a just like friendly coworker thing. Mm -hmm. I, there was a meme that was going around a while that like, oh, you know, porn performers are like, oh, it was a business doing pleasure with you. <laughs> like, But that kind of is how it is. And yeah. it's this like, for the most part, like um, friendly and supportive environment, but it, you know, it's smart to keep boundaries there and um, not, I mean, one, just respecting their physical boundaries uh, as far as like between takes and all that, as far as like what they're comfortable with and what they're not. But, um, but also recognizing that this person is in a vulnerable position. They're trusting you not to hurt them, especially when you're in crazy contorted positions and whatever else um, that, you know, uh, any role play or any, you know, BDSM that you're doing, same thing with like after play, uh, after, you know, something like that where, okay, I might call you X, Y, or Z that might be degrading in a different context, but like, you know, I don't mean it. It's just fun for both of us. Those aren't, I, I don't actually think, you know, you know, you're a crazy slut or you're <laughs> right. whatever, whatever term that you're throwing out there. Um, 
and and or that if you do that like you know i say slut as a positive i i you know tell everybody like i i'm the biggest slut you know so mm-hmm. like if you say that around me you better mean it as a positive yeah. um but uh yeah as far as the integrity like on set then it's a matter of just respecting the other person's boundaries and um and taking no for an answer the first time um and doing that in a supportive way you know it's like oh hey yeah could you not like sure whatever's best for you you know um and and recognizing that they're putting themselves in a vulnerable position and one of the cool things about being in this industry coming from non-monogamy is you know there's all these stereotypes about who ends up going into porn and whether or not they are actually into it and uh or whether they're just doing it for the money and some people think they're degrading themselves and whatever else and as soon as i started meeting other performers um, I realized that they were our people. I was like, I've, this, this makes so much sense to me. I don't know why I didn't see this before, but like same thing in the non-monogamy community. These are people who are proud sluts who, you know, like to fuck their hot friends. And, you know, in this case, they like getting paid for it. And, uh, they just want to meet other people who like doing that and don't judge them. And, uh, so the more and more performers I started meeting, I was like, Oh, what was I thinking? Like, these are our people. Like, why did I think any different? Why did I listen to those stereotypes? Like, these are our people. So, um, you know, the, the, the way that you maintain that integrity is by respecting that vulnerability um, and understanding that you're in that same position to judge each other or have audiences judge you or whatever else and, um, and just not judge the other person and, and not take on any uh, judgment or shame yourself uh, and just go out there and have fun and respect each other's boundaries. And other than that, have a great time and put on a great show. Mm-hmm. You know? That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. Thanks for sharing all that. Sure. Do you um, find that the ethics like this, you know, we were talking, you were just talking about, um, yeah, obviously, like, I feel like with integrity, we could like talk a little bit about ethics and mm-hmm. and what the industry, how it's shifted. I, I know you've only been in a couple of years. So I know in the last few years, it's, it has changed a lot. Yeah, There's been a lot wildly. of more awareness about, you know, I mean, you talked about the pay, the unequal pay, which is sure. a common thing, but also just, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess you probably know more than I do. Sure. So would you be open sharing about like, your, oh, yeah. if, if there's ever been any uncomfortable situation or that I know maybe you've had people that you know that maybe mm. you, you said you were on a podcast with someone that had an un- yeah had an uncomfortable yeah i mean you you see it occasionally either that somebody isn't and again you have the right to refuse this type of scene you're seeing partners um so um one like we already talked about like the consent checks and mm-hmm. how um professional and thorough those are and different companies do them in different ways but um so like that that is a great step but a lot of that comes from like post me too. And, um, this industry has grown so much since that movement, as far as things like the consent check and boundaries and no lists, but even just in the time that I've been in it, um, there have been, uh, resources created. Um, there is a, uh, a chat group for female performers only where, um, they'll share their experiences, especially negative experiences, but also positive experiences with male performers so that they can help each other, especially newer or younger girls 
um, navigate who is safe to work with and who might not be. And obviously everyone's experiences can be different and some people experience things that can be interpreted different ways, but for the most part, it allows you to aggregate. Um, okay, a bunch of different people had bad experiences with this male performer, so like maybe you don't want to work with him. And they're they are very open about jump on and ask us if you get paired with somebody and you know you want to know, then everyone's happy to like share their experiences and, and let you know, and and then it's up to you to judge for yourself. So, um, yeah, I mean. I've only been in it for less than a year, but even in that time, I've seen resources created to to help create uh, a safer environment and and um, help support people putting up boundaries and uh, getting better at asserting their own uh, you know no lists and yes lists mm-hmm. and and um, how to handle their own consent checks and all of that. And same goes not just for uh, porn, but um for like OnlyFans creators and and other um you know content platforms because you don't have a production company that is treating this very seriously and has you know a corporate lawyer and whatever else then it's just an individual and there have been things that have come up just in the time that i've been a pro where there were a couple people who spontaneously popped up and were immediately huge and no one could really understand why uh and um they were not safe to work with at all and it was somebody who bought someone else's existing platforms i mean it looked like they had all these followers and they were um essentially preying on like uh newer and younger people by also paying larger performers and then they were basically uh, taking people who were less established and had um less of a network and and a safety net and uh doing some really uh, horrible predatory things, frankly. Uh, mm-hmm. And But again, because these new resources now exist, that got shut down pretty quickly. And, right. um, you know, the great thing is uh, we all talk and for the vast majority of us, we're all very supportive of each other and um, you won't last long in this industry being a creep. So, right, so there's always going to be those shitty people that come in here and there, but the majority of the industry you've found has been very ethically sound i guess and yes what about like exploitation like is there is that difficult with like and, and even ai now like with uh, people trying to spread your your content like is that an yeah issue you ever have to deal with or is that more the agency's yeah, problem I mean, sometimes people pirate your content um i mean ai like will become a problem I'm not that worried about it yet obviously like um oh, what is it called when they uh use your face on someone else um, oh i don't know i'm totally blanking but um yeah i mean th- there are issues with uh people being able to use your likeness um mm-hmm. but again all of that is like emerging and and definitely will be an issue moving forward as far as now um i haven't seen it be a huge problem but it's something that we've been actively talking about amongst ourselves for a while because uh obviously when someone can just take your likeness and especially when you know you're signing contracts that are signing your rights away to whatever material then it can be used however you want for perpetuity across mm-hmm. the universe apparently that is the language that they use across the universe wow. in the in the contracts oh um, so which also means like across time forever but um yeah as far as exploitation like again you know these are multi-million dollar companies on billion dollar platforms and um 
someone asked me again that uh, same talk I did with um, Cal State Long Beach. Um, they asked about human trafficking, and that does not exist in pro porn. Um, not that it couldn't. I mean, there was a famous case of uh, one of the biggest OnlyFans creators. Uh, it turned out she was in an abusive relationship, and her uh, boyfriend or husband, I can't remember, was forcing her to stream for sometimes 24 hours straight. And like, there's definitely an element of for sure emotional abuse. And in some cases, physical abuse, not to mention just straight up exploitation at that point. But again, there was not a production company and a producer and an agent and multiple people that we have on the pro side that can check to make sure that, you know, you are not being trafficked or abused in some way. And that doesn't mean that, you know, some people do get into abusive relationships and there's nothing you can really do about that. Um, and some of that involves, you know, involves economic exploitation and whatnot. But, um, but like, it's extremely rare to the point where I, I've never even heard of it um, on pro shoots mm-hmm. um, because there are those checks and balances and, uh, you know, legal issues and whatever. And everyone has to have ID. And like, it's hard to be a trafficked person and hang on to your passport. Usually they take that from you. And, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, as far as exploitation, like, it's it, it's really tough on the pro side. You know, the, the other side of that is, um, you know, on the amateur side where you can have somebody releasing like revenge porn, um, which happened to a friend of mine who is now a victim rights advocate. Uh, and, um, you know, that's obviously in the digital age, a growing issue is like cyber sex crimes and people taking material that you meant only for personal use and then publishing it to the entire world. And, um, you know, that's been a thing that, uh, you know, in the last couple of years has had like a big backlash and a spotlight put on it that people now understand the dangers of that. Um, but that's just something almost like on an individual basis that you have to be careful with and who you trust with that type of, you know, uh, sensitive material getting out there. Um, but yeah, so I, I would think it's a, a much bigger danger on the amateur side than it is on the pro side at all yeah because you have a lot of protections in place yeah it seems like yeah and like almost like i'm not saying that some people don't get into this for the wrong reason some people just need a quick buck and they're okay with these images being out there and whatever but i would say 99 percent of all performers they enjoy this and they mm-hmm. want to be here and they're happy to do it and you know like any job, they have good days and bad, um, and good coworkers and bad, and good bosses yeah. and bad, and whatever. But for the for the most part, almost everyone's in this for the right reasons. Um, they enjoy doing it, and uh, it's not nearly as um, exploitative as most people think. Yeah, as people make it out to be. Yeah, I feel like there's some documentaries out there that just make it seem like i mean of course they've been through the ringer i think a lot of people have had sure. some terrible experiences but just like the world you know there's yeah a and lot of a lot of it is like younger performers who didn't fully know what they were getting into and there were some production companies that were extremely exploitative that got shut down by the feds mm-hmm. and uh the owners got put on the fbi most wanted list uh i mean like you know so that's almost just it sounds weird that like people think there's so much more seediness going on in this world. And it's like, you know, Hollywood still has Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby and an untold 
amount of predatory people that are trying to sleep with uh, younger, more impressionable or naive or um, desperate to be famous people, you know, that exists in the music industry, that exists in tech where, you know, uh, there's a huge imbalance between male and female coworkers and people getting sexually harassed all the time. Like I, I come from hospitality and like the amount of sexual harassment that happens to female uh, servers and bartenders and whatever, both from guests and staff. It's like people point at porn because sex is happening already. And they're like, oh, there has to be so much exploitation. And um, like, it's the same percentages as every other industry, like predatory people, mostly men, will try to take advantage of women in any way they can. And it's, it, it is partially up to you to look out for yourself. And it's also like, I, I take it very seriously of trying to look out for other people. And I know like most performers that I talk to take it very seriously in trying to help provide resources for people and help guide newer people in the industry to make sure that they don't have those bad experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Um, I want to, I want to pivot because we're running a little close on time, but I do want to talk about, uh, I have like a few questions, um, from listeners, but also first I, before I forget, I would love to know, we've talked about money a little bit, like a quick buck here. Like, what is that like? If if you're comfortable sharing, like how, how much, and I know it's different for men and women, Mm -hmm. but how much can you make on a shoot? So, or what's the range? Because I have no idea. Let's put it this way: um, I was I was very successful in my former career, and I make more in a day doing this than I did doing that, and that's from the beginning base rate, and and men getting paid half of what female performers get paid. At least again, starting at the base rate. When you work your way up, you can start to demand a higher rate. It's you that sets it. Um, at a certain point, you know, you might be exceeding what they would be willing to pay, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, if you prove that you're a reliable performer and you put on a good show and you create audience demand, then you can, uh, you know, set a higher rate as your career progresses. Um, but you know, uh, it, it pays well (laughs) and, and, and that's just from the beginning, you know, let alone when you, you know, work at it for a few years and are able to increase your rate and you, you're in demand and you're, you know, um, you're working on a frequent basis. The, the, the other side of the economics is um, female performers uh, get paid uh, a lot more base. They do tend to have a, a cap at where it's at, but that's also just because it's like an 80-20 split of female performers versus male performers. Um, so at a certain point, you're, you're pricing yourself out where they can find somebody else for, for that money. Um, but the, the pay is great per shoot. Um, the difference is, um, as a male performer, because there are so much fewer of you, because there are very few people that can actually do this job because of the physical demand of it, um, you're working a lot more frequently than they are. So you almost make it up in volume. And then again, once you prove that you're a reliable performer and you can up your rate, closer to what you know the girls are getting paid and whatever else um but yeah i mean it's a good living and yeah and especially if you're able to roll the um the pro shoots as advertising for your other platforms the content that you create and you own then it's great money 
Um, and I was very lucky to have um, some very seasoned performers as some of my first co-stars who explained the difference between performing uh, and getting paid as uh, an actor versus uh, owning your own sites and uh, getting paid directly from fans and subscriptions and things like that and ad revenue and yada, yada, yada. So um, a very, I was very grateful to get that, uh, <laughs> yeah, an economic education of the, the landscape of the industry very early on. So I know how to, uh, I guess, steer in that direction. Is it different? Is it so? It's like a day rate. It doesn't like it doesn't matter if you oh, yeah. have no, a three scene or a, a, an well, anal plot. Like no, yeah, like um, depending on what it is, uh, um, if it's more demanding, that you can tack on more money. Okay. Um, definitely um, for anal scenes, it takes a lot of prep. Um, again, you know the things that they don't show you aside mm-hmm. from just like the lube and. Um, you know, dilator plugs and whatever else. Um, girls uh, anally douche yeah. beforehand. You have so to that, for the performance. I've heard that as well. Yeah, just to to make sure everything's clean there. Um, and then they restrict what they eat, d- different types of foods and time of eating. Some girls won't eat the morning just like before. Or, or, yeah. yeah, not a, you. You don't actually have to. Um, gummy bears are very common because it's really? like it's it's sugar and calories, so it'll give you energy. But it's also gel, and you won't digi- you won't digest that as fast, and it's not fiber, so like it'll uh-huh. yeah, it'll almost like naturally like stop you up a little bit to give you some time in between things mm-hmm. passing through there. Um, so it's just like there's a lot that goes into it on the back end, pun right. intended. <laughs> that like <laughs> they that creates the need to like pay them a bit more. Um, and same thing for like, you know, uh, group scenes or um, something that would be more like fetish based that would just be more physically demanding or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it is. A, yeah, it's a day rate. It's like, OK, like you've set your rate. They want to book you for this scene on that day. Yes or no? Yeah, that's wild. I, I did do a little bit of paid stuff when I first moved to L.A. Like I sold my underwear. Mm. Um, I went on seeking arrangements and like met some people and, and did some like, I don't know, it was like random things. I remember FaceTiming someone once and I just had to sit in all these like submissive positions. And then he like sent me. That's an interesting one. <laughs> several hundred bucks or something. I don't remember. It wasn't a lot of money at the time. Like my Was this photographed or on video or in person? or FaceTime. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, okay. My underwear, I remember just selling them for like a hundred bucks. Yeah. And I had like a regular client that would just come by and yeah, it was a good way to make extra cash. Sure. Um, but there were some situation and I did have sex for money once it was, and he was very, he was an attractive dude. I was like, Oh my God, this is cool. He just had a busy life. He had mm-hmm. a couple businesses and was just on there seeking an arrangement. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay, like I would probably have sex with you if I met you out. So like, what's, yeah, I don't know. But there was some in me, I was like, oh, my God, I just felt I think it's just like the, the stigma or, you know, it's just kind of the nature, I think, of growing up and being told that like that is bad or even like sex is bad, you know, or just I don't know. I just felt like it was weird that I I just had this like struggle with it, I think. Yeah. And coming out of um, this situation, I did feel empowered. 
But I also was like, it was just kind of lousy sex. So I was like, damn, like, I mean, at least I got paid for it. Yeah. But I was like, at least it could be one or the other. Right. Yeah. Um, but I wondered how you feel. And I've had this question. Uh, there's two questions, actually. Like, how, how did how do you feel with um, your path in life and how mm-hmm. and and after a scene, like, how, how do you feel? And then I also am curious, like, how does it feel knowing that people are like jerking off and like, you know, cause I've had that question too. And I think sure. people jerk off to my content too, but it's yeah. just, I mean, it's a podcast. So it's, or, you know, I'm educating as well. So it might be talking about sex, but someone asked me that recently. I thought we could answer that as well. So two parts there, but I am curious about how you feel when you have sex for your job. Yeah. So, um, I never, I said this before, I never really had any like shame about sex, but I know how much society does. And that same conversation that I had about starting the sex positivity platform, um, about like, I need to be able to talk about this. I'm tired of not being able to talk about it. Um, you know, I almost reached a breaking point. I shouldn't say almost, I reached a breaking point. And I had had these conversations with my therapist where I was like, this is my greatest skill. It's my biggest interest. Why does everyone else get to monetize that? And I can't without facing like societal stigma. And he was like, well, you have options and you have choices to make. Like, and so, you know, after fretting about it for a while, I was like, I I did hit a breaking point. I was like, fuck it. Like I, I was straight up prepared to lose friends and family over not being able to even talk about this, let alone do it publicly. Um, And so it does help that I did that in stages as far as the different routes that I was doing this um, professionally, first with the sex positivity platform and uh, and then the instructional videos and all of that. Uh, And then like going pro, um, yeah, I, I don't have any shame about it. I, I didn't fully tell everyone that I was doing this um, until I had already done it. And again, it was almost, I feel very lucky that I have very supportive people in my life, both my friends and my family. Uh, I didn't lose anybody, but I had that conversation with myself where I was like, some people might have a big problem with this because this is a touchy subject. And, um, but this is my life and I have to do this. I have to be, I have to be myself authentically and I'm tired of not being able to talk about this. I'm tired of not being able to do this. I'm tired of um, me being who I am, making other people insecure and having that be my problem. That's their problem. And I'm not trying to make anyone insecure. Um, But if they get insecure about this subject, then like that's kind of a them problem. But uh, I was very lucky that I didn't lose any friends, I didn't lose any family. Um, so I, I don't have any negative feelings about it at all. Um, I'm also an exhibitionist and always have been. Um, I, and again, like, I think I'm really good at this and I like to do it. And so if anything, it's the opposite where um, it's this incredibly validating feeling that I was right, that I am right, that I do have um these abilities and that people appreciate them um both my co-stars and the directors and the production companies and the audience um and it doesn't matter what you do if you can do something that like 
makes people feel better about their lives in any way. If, if you can do something that makes you happy in doing that, like I'm, I'm doing something that makes me happy. I'm making someone else happy. I'm also making a bunch of other people happy. And in the world. <laughs> yeah. So like, I literally have zero negative feelings about it. Um, and a, and a ton of very positive feelings about it. Um, and then what was the second part of the question? Um, people jerking off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, not a question, does, Barbie. <laughs> how does it make you feel that people are jerking off to you? So this actually piggybacks off the last question. I've straight up had friends be like, uh, hey, dude, um, saw you on Pornhub. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, hey, uh, yeah, I hope that didn't kill your boner. And they're like, no, not at all. You know, it's whatever. But um, yeah. Uh, I feel great about it. Again, like if I'm putting on a great performance and that like, you know, is like erotic to them, if, if it's, you know, arousing to them, like great. I mean, one, like anyone who's attracted to men and wants to watch me, whether that's, you know, straight women or gay guys or anyone across any sort of gender or sexuality spectrum, if you like what you see, I like you too. Um, thanks. <laughs> sincerely thank you um yeah I, I wouldn't be able to do this if it wasn't for an audience and um you know some some male performers get weirded out by who might be watching them because to them it's more about that and their focus is on the girl um but uh, i i did a scene for a site called see him fuck that is focused on the male performer um and it does involve uh, a variety of fetishes, including um, armpit licking and foot and toe sucking and um, rimming and a whole bunch of other things. And so um, I had actually reached out to them to be like, yo, I'd love to appear on your site, not because of the kink aspect, just because the focus is on the guy. And I knew that this would be a great way to, um, I guess, translate the mainstream porn audience into uh only fans followers and i was right but um but my agent was like are you cool with this and i was like what are you talking about i reached out to them and he's like you should maybe watch the material because like um there's some weird positions and stuff and i and so i like watched a whole bunch of their things and it was like okay i'm not really into feet but it, like someone else is and they're paying me to do this like cool um and like i don't care about getting my armpit licked but if someone else is into this and the audience likes it i'm getting paid cool um you know i'm not not into it, it just like doesn't it's not something i would ask for yeah, you know for you. um and same thing with with rimming like it feels nice but it's not necessarily um you know one of my favorite things but again if my co-star is into it and the audience is into it and i'm getting paid like cool 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 and um so in the end they were like yeah like are you okay with this whatever and apparently um, not just with that site, but with um, a bunch of like kink sites or scenarios, they'll they'll double check with the male performers because for some of them, they've never explored kink. And so this is the first time doing it. And then there's a camera there and some people get weirded out by it. Um, you know, if they're in like a cuckold scene or who, who knows who knows what it is and what it is that they're not into. But like um, they they almost double check on those things because some people get weirded out. And for me, I'm like, you know, I don't care if someone else is staring at my asshole jerking off. Like I'm getting rimmed by Nicole Doshi and she's <laughs> stroking me while doing it. And this feels fucking great. And she's super into it. She's super hot. And if someone else wants to stare at my butt, like I don't care. Yeah. And I'm not 
you know what I mean? It's it like I'm not jerking off to my butt being in the air like someone else's. And if that's what they like, cool. And like, I don't understand why anyone and that's not a judgment thing, but I don't understand why anyone would have a problem with that. Because all I'm doing is having heterosex with a beautiful female partner, including doing some like weird, freaky shit that, frankly, I actually got really into because she was so into it. Mm, yeah. Um, so how do I? Yeah, that. Exactly. I I like putting on a good show, which starts with me having fun. But anyone who wants to enjoy that, like, I'm all for it. I don't care what the demographics are. I don't care what you get out of it or what part of that you're into, because people can be into the same things for different reasons. Um, yeah, like anyone who's into any of the things that I do, or they want to see this or they want to, you know, watch me do what I do. Like, I love it. Yeah, Thank you. I love it. Yeah. I, I, I feel similarly. Like, I know I'm not I'm not putting out what you're putting out in the world, but I do have a Patreon and I do have some like sexy photography and, and some nude photography. And so I'm, I, I do love I'm, I'm a sex positive woman, you know, mm-hmm. hear me roar. I'm, I'm a sexual goddess. <laughs> so if you're I don't know if people are jacking off to my like my long form content but it's that's what this person sounded like he was saying was like, how does it feel that people are just jacking off to all your videos? And um, I mean, they me, might be jacking off to this right now. Right, exactly. <laughs> but I, honestly, I don't mind it. I don't feel weird about it. Um, yeah. I think similarly to the question before I asked you, and I'm glad you brought up shame because that was kind of why I think I wasn't feeling good with doing, you know, exploring sex for money or having fun with um things that was, were kind of like out of my comfort zone I guess because I still held a lot of shame around sex and I think because I've moved into this more um I don't know just more free and accepting and like growth and just like mindfulness and awareness I think I've just grown up really to mm-hmm. be frank and so I think now I just have a lot more comfort in who I am and I've like I love myself and I don't know if I was while I was like doing some of those other things but um I'm rambling but the point is because the approach matters too (laughs) yeah yeah as far as what mindset you're in going into it right and so I think my mindset now is like I'm doing so much good and so if I'm also pleasing you along the way like I don't care. I love that. (laughs) So I, yeah, I don't, I don't mind that if people are, what I do mind is if you message me a dick pic or you, which is a crime by the way, is it a crime in uh, California, Texas and New York, uh, cyber flashing unsolicited dick pics are a sex crime. Don't do it. Also (laughs) just to be a decent human being. Don't do it. Also like women don't get anything out of that. Seeing a penis out of context does not arouse them. But for some people, that is what arouses them. They do like the fact that, like, they can do it and you can't stop them, which is mm-hmm. messed up. Like, yeah. really messed up. Uh, so, yeah, don't do that. It's a crime. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's don't commit sex crimes. Yeah. That's good to know. Um, we do have to kind of wrap up, but do you want to give me a quick, I like to ask people that I have on um, the last time they had that sweet release, which is an orgasm. Um, so do you have a 
a story that you want to share? I mean, I think it yeah. was a couple yeah. hours. I just came from set. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just Maybe. came from I just came from a shoot. So can you give us a little how it was what it was like? How did it feel? What kind of work you know? Yeah. So um it's for a company that I've shot with several times now that I love working with and I've always liked their content because it deals with like, you know, taboo of, you know, oh, like my neighbor's wife or oh the you know. Um those types of role play scenarios, which I, I really enjoy role play. Um, but it was, it was with a newer performer. This was only her third shoot. Um, she was very good. Um, she's a natural, but also has cultivated it because she's been doing her own platforms for a while. Um, and uh, yeah, the scenario was uh, my daughter's hot friend. Um, so she came over knowing that her friend wasn't there and be like, Oh, I'll just wait for her to come home. And the real thing is she's trying to seduce me and it worked. It worked really well. Uh, she seduced me and we had sex in multiple different positions in two different rooms, um, started in the bathroom and, uh, then moved to the bedroom and did a whole bunch of athletic acrobatic things. And she's a very flexible lady. And so we made use of that. And uh, she had a grand old time and came, I think, like three or four times. Nice. Uh, and then uh, I did at the end. And it's interesting that you bring this up because I'm like, okay, are you ready? Like, I'm going to come. She's like, I'm coming too. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Now I actually do have to pull out for sure because we got to get that pop shot. Um, but I want to hold back for another, like, 10 seconds and make yeah. sure she actually comes one more time because that is also super hot that, like, you know, me building up to orgasm made her come. And it's, again, the more real and the more actual fun that we're having, the better it is for audiences. So um, so I did actually have to hold back another, like, 10 seconds. I didn't have to, but I'm, like, you know, both for her personally. Yeah, and also, like, for the sake of the scene, you know, for both reasons. Uh, and I, I did. And then uh, I came all over the fucking place. Love <laughs> it. Was, Love yeah. it. It's great. Yay, I love sweet release moments. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And thank you, Ken, for being here. Thank Appreciate you for having you. me. Yeah, yeah, glad we put this together. Thanks so much. And I'll be seeing you soon. I'm sure I'll have to have <laughs> you back on. This was a good one. Please, we'd love to do it. <laughs> thank yeah. you. Appreciate you. Bye. <laughs>